0: Join me on Art Date Social Club for a queer and BIPOC-friendly community that offers a safe space for artists and art lovers to connect about their craft, network with one another, and grow professional development skills. To become an official member, you can subscribe to the paid version of my Art Date Substack for only $10 a month. You can get access through this to all the paid content on my Substack, free access to the monthly online meeting groups, Discounts to in person meetings and workshops, as well as online ones, and access to the WhatsApp group for artists, which will have opportunities, skill sharing, and other networking goodies going on there. I started this group because over the holidays, I heard how isolated everybody was feeling, and know that it's hard to find community, especially if you're living in a big city. And it's just nice to have people to check in with regularly learn new skills from, and, you know, be able to take classes from people you trust and with people you trust in a safe space. If you, for some reason, want to test out the waters, I am currently offering weekly meetups online at meetup.com, and I will be updating that on the Eventbrite where I'm hosting all of these events. So you can check those out as well. You go to Meetup and then search for our Date Social Club. Members will also get first access to any retreats that we do. We are currently scheduling multiple one-day and weekend retreats in the Bay Area, Los Angeles, and possibly Joshua Tree, looking at Iceland. So it's going to be a really fun kind of global adventure. And members will definitely get first pick. We'll probably start kind of small. So if you want to get on the mailing list for that, you can just join up Art Date Social Club. If you, for some reason, do feel like you need some financial support but still want to be part of the community, you can just email me at Art Date Social Club at gmail.com. And I'm happy to offer subscriptions for people in need. So, again, you can go to my Art Date Substack at artdate.substack.com forward slash subscribe. I'd really love for you to join me and just find inspiration and get our creativity flowing and help each other through this super weird lifestyle called being an artist. Anyway, hope to have you there. Thanks so much. This is Sarah Tebow, and I'm the host of the SideWoo podcast. Join me for conversations about mental health and metaphysical issues from the lens of living a more creative, fulfilling and connected life. From the physical to the metaphysical and beyond, welcome to The SideWoo. Welcome to the latest episode of The SideWoo. This is me, Sarah, and I'm back in LA, fully enmeshed in traffic life. I cannot say that I missed it, but it's very nice to be back and see everyone and get back into gallery going, you know, and being part of the start of the new art season and all that stuff. But before I get into the episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. The first is very exciting. I am inviting all Bay Area folks to save the date for November 5th from 3 to 5 p.m. I will be hosting the first ever Get ready for it. Live in person, the Sidewoo event. It is a panel talk at the ICASF. And for those who don't know, that's the Institute of Contemporary Art in San Francisco in the Doc Patch. And yes, I'm super excited and we'll be releasing more details about it soon. But I just want to give you a heads up so you can put that in your calendars. Again, it's November 5th, which is a Sunday from three to five, they're going to have like a little coffee cart type thing until two. And then you have about an hour to go, you know, get some souvlaki, which I love. And that's just down the street. I personally am really into their chicken salad and their fries and their frozen yogurt. So maybe that's what I'm going to do before the talk, but yes. Anyway, where was I? I was getting so excited about souvla. Well, anyway, save the date. The theme of the talk is going to be about inspiration and the blocks that keep us from making work and, you know, maybe some woo-woo stuff in there as well, since it is the side-woo. The second announcement, you may have already noticed that I'm going to be adding a new bonus episode every week. The tarot reading for artists and writers, musicians, or anyone working on kind of like a career creative project. And it's just a two card reading, just a short little thing for the week ahead. And it's specifically aimed at reading the energies of the week with a focus around guiding any creative projects that you may have coming up. This week's reading is up right now at the SideWoo, wherever you find the podcast. And on Spotify, it's even got a little video, which If you have it minimized, there's this cute little tiny square with a video playing (laughs) and it's really adorable, but you can also, you know, maximize it and watch it as if it were on Instagram or something. Yeah. And I also have it on my YouTube channel, which I will put the link in the show notes. So there's a couple of different ways to watch it. Every Sunday that'll come out and then I will be doing, you know, regular episodes on Thursday every other week per usual. And speaking of this week, I am super excited to share a conversation that I had back in July with Bay Area artist, Christopher Martin. And I know there's a couple artists with that name, but this is Christopher Martin of the Bay Area. He's a tattoo artist. He recently, I guess as of 2022 now, he did a show at the ICASF. And I think he was their first show that they had and yeah, I saw the show and was just like so impressed with this artist I had never heard of before. It was this huge scale. All of his work is kind of textile and text based for the most part and just really great design and really use the whole entire space. So it was really cool to be introduced to his work that way and then get to meet him this summer at the space program where he was doing a residency at the same time as me. So, yeah, I mean, I think with Chris, like, you know, obviously I liked his work, but then getting to know him, I I thought, you know, he's such a wise, curious person. And every time we spoke, I felt like I learned something new or had like a really deep conversation, which I think we definitely did in this podcast episode. I mean, I almost want to say that like the through line to our whole conversation was just this idea of being open and curious to the world around you. And that allows you to uncover things that maybe aren't immediately visible. And he talks about that with his art, with, you know, kind of political issues. And then he also gets into the sound project that he was doing at the space program while I was there, which is kind of a meditation sound type thing, but he'll go into that more in the episode. So I'm, very excited to share that with you as usual. If you have any thoughts or feedback about this episode, please do not hesitate to reach out. You can email at thesidewoo at gmail.com. I almost want to give you my phone number because I feel like we don't get any feedback, but I'm not going to do that. I know the, the congratulation pine tree ladies do that, but I'm going to hold off, but you can leave a voicemail type message. If you go to Spotify and click at the very bottom, there's an option to leave a message. So if you feel compelled, we will publish that most likely on our site, as long as it is relevant. And you know, you may be in the next episode if you want. If you enjoy our episode, feel free to subscribe, rate, and review The Side Woo with your woo friends. You can listen on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And you can follow us along on Instagram for updates at the Side woo. And you know what? I actually just joined TikTok. So you can also go on TikTok. And I haven't done anything on there yet, but it is the.side.woo on TikTok. So maybe see you there as well. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. With issues like healthcare rights and election integrity on the line this November, there's reason to be concerned about the future of the U.S. The good news, you can help. With no more than six hours a week, you can volunteer with Tech for Campaigns and use your design skills to help swing district Democrats win local elections. State and local races often come down to only a few hundred votes. Having a strong digital presence and reaching new voters through digital ads and email campaigns can be what makes the difference. Democracy needs you. Volunteer at techforcampaigns.org forward slash volunteer. We were just talking how you have a trick for not going into a deep dive on Instagram.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to limit myself with... A certain amount of posts that I'll interact with would be like maybe 20 to 30, and I'll just count it off. It'll be like one, two, three. And once I reach that limit, I just turn off the app and I just do other things. And it just keeps me in this flow because, yeah, time changes when you turn on that app for Mm -hmm. some reason. And it's just like, yeah, you have to have boundaries or else, yeah, it's just too much.
0: Well, and... It kind of reminds me of going into a room and forgetting why you're there. Yeah. Because I'll like open the app to specifically message someone who I think oh. it just makes more sense to message them on Instagram mm-hmm. and then immediately get distracted by the shiny object of whatever image just came up or I'll see something someone's doing and I'm like, "Oh, I need to talk to them or mm-hmm. you know, I'm excited for them or whatever." And then whoever I meant to message, I completely forget and 5 minutes later go out of Instagram and then I go back in <laughs> cuz I'm like, wait, I forgot to do the thing.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting like the psychology that they orchestrate to keep us in these apps, you know? Yeah. Like it's set up to take as much time as they can from us. So mm. A lot of these things that they do are intentional and it happens all throughout our life that we don't even understand. Mm-hmm. Like even in the grocery store, yeah, the way that Costco is set up, is like this big warehouse and you're meant to just wander around.
0: Yeah, because it doesn't have any directional flow or anything. No,
1: yeah. and
0: mm, That's interesting.
1: And depending on what Costco you go to, the setup is different. It's like reversed. So it's like, I hate going to a new Costco because like, my items that I know that they're in this spot and this spot have changed. So it yeah, tanks. do they
0: do that on purpose? Yeah, because I know I went. I don't go very often, but like I went and then I went back thinking, oh, I can go to this section and try to find the things. Mm-hmm. No, it was gone. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: it's a it's a carefully orchestrated maze.
0: <laughs> it could it also be with Costco that they're literally just like unloading whatever shit they have and Uh-oh. they're like, oh, we have free space here, let's put it there.
1: That's true as well. Yeah. Maybe I won't like.
0: No, but I think you're (laughs) onto something for sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, I did the research on multiple grocery stores like Trader Joe's. Oh, you did. It's intentionally smaller and they have less items Mm -hmm. so that you feel less intimidated by what they have to offer. Mm -hmm. So you would essentially come out a little bit happier going to Trader Joe's than you would like a place that has like too many options. Yeah. It's something about- And I do. You know, yeah, exactly. So it's just certain things like that is just, yeah, it's just interesting to know mm-hmm. what's happening through our day-to-day life that we just take for granted, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: That reminds me of like the situationist, that idea of being a flanner it, it, what is that? There's like a French term that talks about the psychology of space, which is what you're. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Oh, it was maybe. that
0: whole movement in French thought about being directed around a city in the way that the designers want you to be. And so, oh. how to be against that is to be a flanner and someone who is walking without purpose. And then that way you can kind of be meditative and note where things feel like a dead end but actually aren't or feel like they want you to go one way but you can go the other way and so what happens when you do that
1: oh wow yeah i mean i've i've i forget the the technical term but it's something derive and it's De- oh le, yeah, yeah derive, yeah yeah that's and, what it's, it is. and it's like yeah like these these people would go on these intentional walks with no destination and just allowing the landscape to just move them and the way that it's up is like you might have tight passageways and then it leads to like this big open space and like the bigger space feels bigger because you went through the smaller passage.
0: Jumping in here, just wanted to talk a little bit more about the term Flanner, which If you've gone to art school, you've heard this term before. It essentially means someone who strolls or walks without destination. And it originated as early as the 15th and 16th centuries. Um, But it really came into its more current meaning, which is to be someone who strolls or walks with purpose, but without a destination and more of an intellectual pursuit Originally, the term was kind of referring to like the dandy who was seen as lazy and maybe kind of vain. But what Chris and I are really talking about is someone who is part of this intellectual movement. The French literary critic at the time, Charles Augustin Saint-Beuve, wrote, to stroll or flanay, as the French call it, is the very opposite of doing nothing. Victor Furnell, a writer at the time who no doubt patronized the famous left bank cafes of Paris, wrote in his book, what one sees in the streets of Paris about the art of Flannery that strolling was a way to understand the city's landscape, like taking quote a mobile and passionate daguerreotype. And for those who don't know it, a daguerreotype is a photo taken with silver plate and mercury So a really poisonous mixture that at the time was the height of technology. So this idea that strolling could be an art form was picked up by the Situationists International, which again may ring a bell if you went to art school. But they were a political activist group that reached the height of notoriety during the French protests in 1967 and 1968. And their interest in psychogeography was in its ability to counter the all reaching clutches of capitalism and the pervasive sense of alienation that was caused by capitalist spectacles. And this is all described um, by Guy Debord who was a famous situationist in the society of the spectacle. And psychogeography is kind of what Chris is talking about an exploration of the city's landscape and unpacking the human relationship to its streets and many seemingly random architectural choices. I honestly understand why walking became such an important part of the revolution because, you know, like whenever I go to Paris, like I did this past August, I walk like 10 miles a day. And definitely this is in part because, you know, the city and the architecture is so gorgeous. And there's all these like little twists and turns and all this history. But Also, because it is a crazily expensive city and probably always has been. So to walk and to take in the city is a way to engage with it beyond the relationship of being a consumer. All right. So back to the episode. And so what brought you into that line of study?
1: Honestly, I just kind of just nerd out on random things. I'll have like questions in my head and I'll just like go down these rabbit holes Mm. Uh, And then the algorithm being what it is sends me other videos and recommendations to keep me more engaged. So just kind of like I start off with certain searches that are just interesting and then, yeah, it just keeps getting fuel with more things. Yeah.
0: And so how do you keep in your head while engaging genuinely with the content? I don't know if you do, but and then count while you're doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you yeah. move through it fast or is it like...
1: Hmm. <laughs> I guess it just depends. I kind of like just go with the flow. I mean, I try to just go through like the the application like as naturally as possible. But yeah, I mean, it's just... And then you'll get like a thing that you open it and then you want to see, oh, who's tagged in this thing? And then you go down that rabbit mm-hmm. hole and then you're oh, wait, they know this person. Yeah, just, like,
0: sometimes that can be really fruitful true like i get a lot of good like hints about things i'm supposed to be thinking about from instagram Mm -hmm. but also then i waste a lot of time too (laughs) yeah yeah
1: so it's like 20 posts could still be like a long amount of time depending on how i'm engaging with each post that's interesting
0: well that's kind of what i was wondering yeah like are you just scrolling like one two three four you know but it sounds like 20 could be like going into a second person's and, and digging into their profile exactly
1: yeah so it's, it's
0: your role too so you can break it if you want <laughs> exactly
1: yeah yeah, yeah. So it, i just go with the flow
0: well i like that idea i would love to hear feedback from listeners if you guys try that oh yes <laughs> because i i may set some parameters i try to wait for that moment of you you've been doing too much true but anyway well cool so just to kick things off to our standard side woo content what sign are you
1: so my son is in Aquarius, moon is in Virgo, and rising in Aquarius.
0: So Aquarius, Virgo, Aquarius? Yeah. And how does Aquarius like show up for you? Because you're, so for the listeners, you're dressed all in black with like a uh, beanie, yeah. which is not like the Aquarius yeah. flashiness that I would have anticipated if you were, you know, sun in Aquarius.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's always interesting doing the research and like, the things that line up and perhaps don't.
0: You do have a lot of tattoos. Yeah. So maybe, you know, that's part of it. Well,
1: I guess there's like a flashiness to the Aquarius energy, but. Um, that's a
0: stereotype, but, it, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I'm not like necessarily the type of person that wants too much attention. Mm-hmm. So I feel like just me and my character, like I already have people know like in the bay area is such a small scene so mm-hmm. it's just i don't really need to bring too much extra attention to what i'm doing i'm mm-hmm. just i kind of just try to like flow but yeah. Uh, but yeah i guess like as far as like all black maybe that's like the virgo trying to like communicate as well
0: i, I was thinking that yeah i'm kind of witchy
1: the, the uniformity <laughs> of just having the attire just be all black is like Simple. I don't have to think about it as much.
0: Yeah. So
1: that's cool. Yeah. Certain people like Einstein who just wore the same thing every day. And
0: oh yeah. I worked for someone who I was like her personal assistant out of her house. And she had a whole closet of like she had like four pairs of these black leggings, like two black like sweatshirt skirts, Mm -hmm. and then like just ten to fifteen black t-shirts that she would buy and like cut the sleeves off of and then she had a bunch of black hoodies Mm -hmm. and she tattooed her eyeliner Oh, and just it was like very everything was figured out like she didn't have to think about it anymore (laughs) you know (laughs) i mean which i respected i was like this is pretty cool i mean i'm not going to do that but it's cool but it's like you
1: can there's an endless amount of expression within just singular things as well It's like like you then start to reanalyze oh like the outfit is kind of about the silhouette, and then mm. you can switch up the silhouette within different pieces of the same color. Mm. And yeah, I guess like on a That's on a day, cool. on a day when I'm feeling fun, I might throw on some some navy blue or some oh, some wow. forest green. <laughs> Go crazy, yeah, exactly. pop off. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel like there's like an endless amount of expression within the simpler things as well.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that's such a designer thing to say, you know, which is your background, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Graphic design.
0: Attention to detail and thinking about things kind of like big picture instead of just being like, oh, like a pair of jeans or, you know.
1: Exactly. Because I mean, I don't know, for me, I enjoy seeing how like the t-shirt transitions into the jeans, you know, And, Mm -hmm. and if you have like one thing separating the other thing, then yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just the way that my brain works, but Yeah.
0: Do you have any favorite like fashion designers that you would love to be be in the front row of? In
1: Rest in Peace Virgil. I mean, like his work with Louis Vuitton was just like mm. so beautiful. And Yeah, I mean, he was kind of the main more recent push like mm. into this modern fashion world because I guess I kind of had, like, this image of what it was like in my mind. But then seeing Louis Vuitton do these collaborative videos with, like, the Wu-Tang clan, I'm just Mm. like, wait, what? Who is behind this? Like, who is organizing this? This isn't the high fashion that I thought was existing. Mm. And so, yeah, just, like, how he bridged in the culture into modern high fashion was so beautiful and just just cutting people into that helped mold this community of of threads
0: just filling in a few details about Virgil he passed in November 2021 at the age of 41 and it turns out that we both went to UW-Madison for our undergraduate degrees at the same time he graduated one year earlier in 2002 but He was also there for engineering, which I never would have run into him as a French major. So go Badgers. And then he studied architecture after that and became interested in fashion when he learned about Rem Koolhaas, who had recently collaborated with Prada on a runway show. I'm trying to think of how to describe his fashion sensibility and Really, all I can say is that it is edgy and eclectic. Um, two of the favorite things that I have seen on his Instagram are a sweatshirt that uses a Monet painting as kind of a cutout for a shape that is related to his brand. And he took a photo, or someone on his team took a photo of someone wearing it in front of one of the Monet water lilies, which I, you know, a huge fan. And the other is a giant crystal encrusted necklace that is shaped like Lumiere from Disney's Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) So that's pretty amazing. I highly recommend Googling him. I will put a link in show notes so you can go and look through it as well.
1: Fashion, like hip hop, has been one of the highest billboards for all these high fashion companies, you know? And you have people like Dapper Dan who's taking the logos and he understands the culture so he's like giving the cuts and but he's taking the logos and he's moving things around and then he gets hit with like legal charges but now it's like everybody's doing that mm-hmm. you know so he was just ahead of his time and he understood oh the pants need to fit this way or the shirt needs to be a little bit bigger and just understanding the needs of the people who are actually wearing these things you mm-hmm. know
0: a little bit about Dapper Dan since we're kind of getting some backstory to what Chris is interested in. He is a fashion designer who is kind of best known for dressing famous hip hop stars from 1982 to 1991 when he had a boutique in Harlem in New York. And according to Wikipedia, at times this boutique was open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And um, in a different article, I found some of the goods that he sold were shoplifted and then repurposed. And yeah, I I can't speak to that, but his style included iconic looks from the era, like big gold chains, customized tracksuits, fur coats, and um, apparently he even invented a new process for screen printing onto leather. So much of his work he did was illegal. I guess he kind of co-opted big brand names as well and put that on his products. And so he eventually got shut down by the local authorities and then the fashion world kind of blacklisted him. So for a long time, he wasn't really in the fashion world at all. But then in 2017, he kind of came back into fashion, literally, because designers were looking at his work and kind of making reference to it and someone on Twitter like called them out for it and so quickly Gucci like jumped on the moment and invited him to do a collaboration and he kind of had a resurgence after that and reopened his boutique in 2018 in 2020 time named him one of the 100 most influential people of the year and in 2021, he became the first ever Black designer to win a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Council of Fashion Designers of America. And I don't really know what that is, but I cannot believe it took them that long. So, go Dan, Deborah Dan, I guess he goes by Dap. Anyway, back to the episode.
1: So... Just certain things like that. that or like
0: I, the codes too, right? Like Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: All the subcultural kind of code switching and
1: Yeah. So just taking notice to the environment around you and like
0: mm-hmm.
1: no pun intended, but tailoring it to like the, the people that are like consuming these things, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Have you ever thought about designing clothes? Because you do a lot of sewing with your work.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have like some sketches of clothes designs that Mm -hmm. I want to bring to life eventually. Me and my mom actually have like a clothing line that we started together.
0: When did that start?
1: That was like back in high school. And it started off me just wearing her beanies. She crochets beanies. Is that one of hers? This isn't one of them. Okay. This is kind of like just like a workhorse beanie. Yeah,
0: that's like sailor beanie or teeny weeny beanie. It's a teeny weeny beanie.
1: Her beanies are a little more sacred, I feel. Okay. But yeah, just like wearing them majority of the time and then people just seeing them, appreciating them. And they're like, oh, can I get like a custom one? Like once they found out my mom made them, I was like, yeah, like you want this color and this color. And so after a while, I was just like, hmm, what if we kind of like brand this and give it a label so people can recognize it?
0: Yeah. So what's the name of the brand?
1: Cypher Apparel.
0: Cypher. And how do you spell that?
1: C-Y-P-H-E-R. Okay. So kind of like building off of the idea of a circle and- bringing people into that community of that circle and essentially that's like the starting point because like with the the crocheting process you're just like basically looping all these different Mm. circles so kind of just like building off of that and yeah just it kind of expanded and people enjoyed it and then I kind of took a break from it just because I didn't know what my contribution was for it and so just recently, I've just been like just doing my own heart practice mm-hmm. and just keeping okay. that on the back burner, but it's still there, you yeah. know, like my mom is still, <laughs> I'd be down to help out with the with the collaboration. Now I want to bring it back sometime eventually with, with more of like my essence in there as well.
0: Mm, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, when you were talking about like the cut and proportion of different things, I was just imagining like Yohi Yamamoto style where oh. just like really drapey and I don't know, I feel like, yeah, with your flag or banners that you do that we can talk about, there's just so much area to explore like both with your drawing skill and just what you're talking about, kind of the different iterations of like a top and a bottom. or
1: Yeah, exactly. Just breaking things down to their essence and then reimagining them. Like, with this residency, with the space program, just taking what is a flag? Why have we not changed up the flagpole in, like, hundreds of years? Mm -hmm. We just have this one pole that we just take for granted. So, It's
0: true. You know, I think we did talk about this one of your first days that I met you and I was here. Yeah. And it's just like, I had never even thought about that, because like, yeah. it's so rudimentary and functional that it's almost invisible. Exactly.
1: So yeah, just looking at the world around us and being like, wait, we've done this all wrong. We can play with this and have so much more fun, <laughs> you know? And that's like, just Virgil as a designer as well, who made his way into fashion, he just found those connections, you know? and. He would take a glass and like he would design it in a way that it probably didn't even function as a glass. Maybe it had a hole at the bottom of it or something. And it just brought your attention back to something that you took for granted.
0: I'm not actually familiar with Virgil. Was he the head of Louis Vuitton or was he a collaborator?
1: He was the creative uh, head for Louis Vuitton.
0: Okay. And he passed recently. He
1: passed recently. And now Pharrell Williams is the the new creative director, which I think is a beautiful fit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because I was going to say, I feel like Louis Vuitton is so, they have their brand already established the way Chanel does, you know, like carry on this legacy. But then I like that they're bringing in people with other backgrounds and disciplines to kind of shake things up. And so they would do glasses or was that something Virgil did on his own?
1: That was just like, Virgil's own little side project he would have collaborations with Ikea and stuff like that Oh wow. okay. so it'd be like furniture that wasn't comfortable to sit in oh funny like it might be like a wiry type of things so it's just like almost trolling people in a yeah way. I was gonna say that's <laughs> a little aggressive <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like
0: it mm-hmm. well cool well I wanted to kind of get a sense of like where you're at in terms of like your spiritual interest in turn are you a believer in past lives you clearly know enough about astrology to know your three you know major signs but do you like get into tarot i feel like if you haven't thought about it your work would be an awesome tarot deck
1: oh yeah 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 i mean i do like monthly tarot readings like just oh you from, do like,
0: you read for people
1: no i wish but i it's silly but i just do like the youtube Tarot card readings, mm. and there's like one person in particular that I go to. It's Ali's tarot card readings, and
0: and she just reads like a monthly thing for everyone.
1: Yeah. Oh, cool. And, okay. Yeah, something about the way that they conduct the the readings is like so accurate. It's just like mm. how how is this? And some people are just so tapped in. I usually do that once a month just oh, to kind of cool. just get like a a feel for, like, the energy that's arriving yeah. And things to... Because I guess I also did just, like, a little dive into, like, the Virgo moon last night just to, just to get a little bit more clarity.
0: Yeah, what did you find there?
1: There was, like, this constant thing of us trying to analyze our emotions mm. and not necessarily being so tapped into the emotional spirit and... Yeah
0: as a capricorn moon i feel that as well oh okay yeah we're very much like here's our emotions they're (sighs) not very useful (laughs) let's put them over (laughs) to the side yeah yeah so
1: it's like wait what do i do with this thing you can't think your way around the heart it's just it doesn't work like that
0: oh that's such a beautiful way of saying it
1: yeah it's interesting to have clarity of that it's like having like a doctor's diagnosis it's like oh like Maybe, maybe you need more of this in your diet or maybe you need to do that. It's just like understanding how your body works and like the same as your anatomy or the same as your ancestry. You know, I just love researching the ways that my body should be working, whether it be spiritually or through my eating habits. I mean, should I be eating the same as my ancestors rather than the the newest trend or diet that just came out like yesterday you know it's just like certain things like that that... oh
0: I definitely think about that and I definitely don't follow trends because I have a lot of like Mediterranean background and so I'm like I'm gonna eat (laughs) dairy and (laughs) pasta and just like in moderation but I'm definitely gonna eat all that stuff because I look at my you know mom's side of the family they did and they're fine you know you just gotta like take it easy you know yeah
1: just have to take it like on a, a personal basis and it's like one person saying like this is the diet for everybody
0: totally it's so problematic
1: there's certain things that we all should incorporate like vegetables and fruits but it's just like outside of that the number one thing that native americans were targeted for was the buffalo like they just completely wiped out that that animal and that was like a huge source of protein and like nourishment for the native people and yeah it's like you can't take for granted certain things like that and how it functions with our body and it's just that was just like one of the many ways that they just broke down the native people just like food oh
0: i see what you're saying like they targeted the the meat source as a way to like break up their civilization and weaken them basically exactly yeah oh interesting i wouldn't have thought that yeah it's but...
1: just it's just all of these things and it's just i just I just have to know, because there's forces that are always pulling on us. And people, they have force. They They can do something. They can write a law. They can pass a bill. And before you know it, there's these invisible things that are pulling on your bank account or your energy. And you don't know where that came from. But it could be, and just by the color of your skin, you have been targeted by this invisible force. Even like the BART system here is cutting through certain neighborhoods. It's all like intentional, but it's invisible to us. So just trying to like tap into these invisible things. I
0: wanted to just jump in and create more context for this because, you know, redlining is a huge issue in most big cities. And I couldn't find any specific reference to the BART Dividing a Neighborhood in Oakland, but I did find a lot written about redlining and discriminatory practices in both Oakland and Berkeley and surrounding cities. From the Berkeley's Community Innovation blog, I found a short paragraph that says, quote, when the Grove Shafter Freeway was constructed in the 1960s, it tore right through the African American community in this area, ruining long-established local businesses in upsetting these racial divides, which they were previously describing how East and West Berkeley um, were kind of marked as quality property and less valuable property. And the goal of creating this divide was to kind of push people of color to the, the less valuable property and maintain, you know, a segregated white population in the higher valued property. I did find a few other examples, including in the same article about how redlining was legal for much of the 1900s in both Oakland and Berkeley. And then in the 1960s, they ended up passing a bill to prevent racialized housing discrimination, which great. Yay. And then quickly, you know, some douchebag on whatever housing committee went on to vote to strike it down and overturn it essentially making housing discrimination by race illegal again only a few le- years later so eventually they overturned that but um that was in berkeley and happening for much of the 60s and 70s if not later
1: it's like gravity
0: or the flagpole
1: yeah yeah exactly you know
0: like even when i said that i was like oh that makes so much sense for what you're interested in you know because yeah. it is this invisible structure that you just assume is going to always be there and what else would you put in its place you know
1: exactly and then like the wind just being invisible in itself oh, that's and true that too, just yeah. carrying this like this material just oh like the wind wasn't even like on my radar of like something <laughs> that even existed until you saw it responding to something right so hmm. yeah just like all of that i just i just dive into all of it you
0: know yeah yeah, that's a lot to respond to. I have so yeah. many kind of points that I think would be interesting to unpack. Well, one being like for your diet, like are you looking into what, like, what have you found about what your ancestors, like, who they were and like what they ate? Has that been something you're doing? Yeah.
1: Um, well, Did they go
0: to Costco and get keto <laughs> granola? Because <laughs> for a listener, he bought a couple bags of like keto snacks and brought them in to the studio. <laughs> So probably they did. (laughs) Maybe.
1: (laughs) I mean, sometimes you have to start new traditions. Exactly. If they're delicious. Someone has to start the tradition. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I do like a lot of research on neuroscientists. And they give me like little tips on how to be healthy and certain things that our ancestors did, like waking up and getting sunlight on our skin, like before... 10 a.m.
0: Oh, really? Is
1: uh, apparently something that's very important for us.
0: Mm. Specifically for people of African descent or?
1: Just anybody. Oh, humans. But it's something about how the sun is in a certain position for us to absorb all of the nutrients from it mm. at between like a certain time frame. Wow. Because once it gets a little too high in the sky past 10 o'clock, then it just starts to cook us, you know? So oh, there's whoa. like certain things like that where it's, this is invisible oh, energy, but it's-
0: I'm disappointed to hear this <laughs> because this means yeah. that I have to get up and go on my walk <laughs> yeah. before. No, same. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then like certain things, like if it's a cloudy day, then of course it takes a little bit longer for us to absorb that energy and apparently, if it's through glass, then it just takes way too long. Oh,
0: stop it. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Know, it's, it's... <laughs> well, yeah, I think everybody needed to hear that. <laughs> so... <laughs>
1: no, I used to be like a huge night owl and like mm-hmm. just sleeping in just be like, I live by the moon. This is nice. And...
0: Oh, my God. Cute. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But, yeah, certain things where it's, oh, like, my brain is maybe happier if I didn't do that, so.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting because, like, whenever I do go on that, like, morning walk, I'm always like, yeah, I feel really good. I'm glad I did it. But I never thought it was about the sun. I kind of always assumed it was more generally being, like, close to plants, which it probably is that, too, but versus, like, going at the end of the day. So that's so interesting.
1: Yeah. And then other things, like food for the mind meditation and how we can go about certain ways of meditating mm. depending on our characteristics mm. like i took for granted the act of meditating and i just assume that i'm just supposed to sit my legs crossed, close my eyes and concentrate behind my like third eye center and just just completely think of nothing but I'm starting to learn that there's multiple ways to to go about it. Mm. There's certain breathing practices that we can do to make ourselves more energetic or calm. There's a certain type of characteristics that we all have. So apparently, like, if you can sit and you can feel your heartbeat or if you can feel the pulse of your heart, that's a sign that you're probably more introvert.
0: Or, oh, interesting.
1: And so, like...
0: Or for me, that's usually a sign that there's, like some anxiety happening or something? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, like, imagine you're giving a speech and, like, your heart beats pumping, but Mm -hmm. you tap into this external thing that just, like, you have to focus on what you're saying, and then eventually your heartbeat fades, and then as you're into it, you're, like, extroverted now.
0: Oh, yeah. Interesting. So
1: before the speech, you're like this anticipation. And then like as you're talking, it's like, oh, I need to be outside now and I need to give because you can't be giving like a full speech thinking about your heartbeat all the time. Absolutely. So
0: it's interesting that you say that because, you know, I notice that occasionally and then I do a lot of like energy work. And so I try to sense is that heartbeat feeling coming from in my body Mm -hmm. in which case you'd feel it all the time or is it something like slightly outside in this like energy field Mm. and i feel like you can kind of almost put your hands around the sensation like a little bit off your body and there's like this vibration oh yeah you can feel that isn't coming from your physical body it's like your energy field and so i've been trying to pay attention to that and Do like a little bit of like reiki, or you know something where I can kind of give it attention to see if that helps dissipate it. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, it kind of messes with your head. It makes you think, "Oh, my heart is jumping out of my chest." But it's like, well, my heart's always beating. So why right now am I feeling it like this? You know,
1: exactly. Exactly. It's just like our attention just gets shifted.
0: Yeah, it's distracting. It's like not a moment of clarity. Or
1: yeah, and just being able to push our attention in a different direction. Mm. So so like if you are someone who's in your head and you think too much. It's
0: almost like it's keeping you in smaller. It's this like force field of stress and you're just kind of being like pressed in. <laughs>
1: exactly, this container. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, like if I'm meditating with my eyes closed, I'm just making that introverted instincts even stronger and even louder. So to to balance that, it's apparently better to meditate with your eyes open. Oh, interesting. To focus on a certain object and then just pay attention to that. Things that are outside, noises and things like mm-hmm. that. So that balances out your your internal
0: world. Oh, I yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, also there's like guided meditations, which oh, yeah. can be really helpful. And, you know, if mm-hmm. you're looking for some clarity about something, you know, for me too, yeah. I don't know. I feel like that traditional, like counting meditation, is just not successful for me right now. You know where I'm at, and so like doing a guided meditation or even just going on a walk. Oh, yeah. And trying to be present. What mm-hmm. you're saying, I feel like I get more out of that almost than sitting and meditating now. Oh, yeah. Although yeah, yeah. I do both, but
1: yeah, I mean, it's and then you can find like yeah, throughout your day to day life. Like, everything can be meditative, you know? Totally. It's just about the attention that you give to it, you know? Yeah.
0: Maybe you could... That's a good segue into your project that you're working on here, the sound project here at the Space Program.
1: Yeah. I'm actually working on producing my first album and trying to package this meditative experience that is a soundscape of West Oakland and basically just... Giving this reflective package of music and audio to what it's like to meditate, like specifically within West Oakland. Yeah. And so there's like sideshows that happen. There's birds chirping.
0: What's a sideshow?
1: Oh, it's, it's <laughs> like where they have cars and, and then they just, just like take over this intersection oh and
0: do like spinnies or whatever yeah
1: yeah yeah they just like burn out and then like crowds come oh oh, okay got it more fuel but But
0: that's very loud in other words yeah yeah yeah
1: (laughs) and i think it's like it started within the bay area and so there's certain things like that and just so yeah it's just like all the crazy chaos that happens outside of my window and trying to package that in a way where it's actually peaceful if you change certain things and if you make it into this this repetitive mantra type of thing, and and then you add some soft sense to it, and then that kind of just carries you through it. And then how noises come in and out. It's like you can have a sideshow, and then once it's done, it's like, oh, here's the birds again. The birds were never gone. They were just drowned out by something else. And that's the same as how we basically go through our day-to-day life. We just give our attention to certain things, and certain things fade in and out of our perception. So basically trying to give this meditative experience, but in a modern, urban, West Oakland feeling.
0: Yeah, I love it. And the way you talk about it, when you first told me especially, you were like, then you listen to the birds and I got so relaxed even just hearing you oh. talk about it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like you could lead your own kind of guided meditation because your voice is very oh. relaxing. So, Oh, nice.
1: <laughs> Someone had mentioned that once before. I might actually add that. I don't know.
0: Or yeah, or it could be something extra, you know, not to change your project.
1: but Yeah. What's that one thing? Headspace. Mm. They kind of have like those. Guided meditation
0: I have calm, but it's oh, the same calm, thing.
1: calm is beautiful. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Have you seen Calm on HBO? Mm. So good.
0: Oh, really? What it's, is it? It's
1: beautiful. It's they have like Lucy Lou and like all these other celebrities with amazing voices, and then mm-hmm. they just they talk to you about how the world is so beautiful. <laughs>
0: And, and they just
1: like Lucy That's Lou's crazy. talking about how the ocean is like this symphony of, of different animals and it has like all these like aquatic noises to make mm. you feel calm. So, oh my
0: god, amazing!
1: It's yeah, it's like one of the I best wonder if
0: things. there's that as a podcast or something on the app.
1: Oh, probably.
0: Because I know, like, they have a lot of celebrities read bedtime stories. Oh, they do. Like Matthew McConaughey. Oh, no. <laughs> <which way. laughs> I couldn't do it, but I was like, that's amazing. Oh, uh, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like,
1: he has one of those, like, iconic like voices. Like, yeah, I just can't so not
0: hear him in Days and Confused. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. But so I thought it was very appropriate that we brought up Days and Confused because as of recording this, Today is the 30th anniversary of the release of the movie *Days and Confused by Richard Linklater. And I find that absolutely insane because this was one of my favorite movies growing up. And I remember watching it and I almost want to say I was even younger than the youngest characters, which, you know, it's kind of like these like m- multiple generations of kids like going through the high school system And so you follow the younger guy who's like maybe eighth grade going up to high school. And I want to say I was like in seventh grade. And then, you know, as I got older, I kind of aged up a character. And so all of a sudden I was closer to the age of like the sophomore girl. And then suddenly I was the age of the juniors and then I was the senior. And then I was like the older people like Matthew McConaughey hanging out outside of the high school And like, I haven't watched that movie in a while, but all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I'm at least the age of the parents in that movie, which I don't even know if we see them because they're so unimportant to what's cool about the movie. But yeah, just thinking about this and then thinking about, you know, Richard Linklater's boyhood, I'm really curious about this idea of the passage of time and the way that the viewer is going to experience the movie over the course of their lifetime. I mean, I don't know if he... Plan that on purpose but anyway just anyone who's my age and like you know watch that movie just put that in your pipe and smoke it and then literally you know go smoke it and watch the movie again because what a joy i wanted to talk you know just about art making in general for you like one of the big influences in your life is tattooing oh yeah and so i'm curious like how you got into tattooing and what it feels like to be trusted with someone's body and making work on their body that you know it's going to be there. Like that's a lot of pressure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it definitely is. And yeah, it's it's certain things like that that we just take for granted. It's just like the tattoo artist is like going through a lot and we're conducting conversation.
0: Oh no, I don't Um, take it for granted. Like you watch those videos and you're like, I don't know how you're doing this. You know, my yeah. friend's husband is one and he always posts the process videos and uh-huh. I'm just like you can't even see what you're doing cuz the ink starts going all over the flower wow, yeah. or whatever and you're like he's just blindly drawing <laughs> that. We just
1: we just work by faith. <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's what
0: it feels like.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just like like certain things like you have to take in consideration tattooing is very meditative as well. Once like the music is just right, like Everybody's conversations have gotten to a point where they're just kind of like in an in-between moment of silence. You hear the machine. is tuned just right. You're not stressing about, oh, like, am I pulling the right lines? How is this responding to the skin? Like all the troubleshooting and the beginning mm. process is smoothed out.
0: Because you've done all that prep work before, and so you don't have to worry about it? or
1: Yeah. Well, everybody's skin is different. So you might pull a line where you did on maybe the leg, and you're doing it on the neck now. It's like, oh, wait, I need to adjust my settings and make sure that, yeah, you you don't make any mistakes. And it's like- At what
0: point do you realize, oh, that's a different tension or-
1: "Mm, Well, just going through the process. just, Just you
0: do it, and then you're like, oh, shoot
1: yeah just through the process of just tattooing so many different people through a certain amount of time mm. you then get into like a little bit more of like a flow where you know what you're doing but it's like it takes a while to build up like that type of experience you mm-hmm. know so like some i've i've heard some artists like say they've gone like 10 years and then they're okay i think i'm like a little bit comfortable with this now you know oh well
0: it's- i mean i imagine like for all the people that are out there at different ages. and Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And it's just, but yeah, it's just finding that balance. It's all, is, and it's it's all about the balance and I think that's another thing that what kind of like brings me into it and like keeps me interested is you could do the same thing twice and something changes and then it's just like, oh, it's like the clip cord was, was just blew out or the rubber band wasn't, didn't have the right tension and it's just like,
0: and what do you use the rubber band for?
1: The rubber band essentially just holds the needle within like this certain sweet spot within oh, so wow. it can just go up and down in like hmm. this in this gradual motion
0: kind of like a shock support situation where it's like yeah it's some
1: it. something tension wise yeah okay. and and then there's other elements of the voltage of the machine and where the type of voltage you use with a certain location of the body mm-hmm. it's just all oh, so delicate and it's just like once you get it all dialed in and you like can actually enjoy the process of tattooing that's when i'm like oh, this is nice this is but other than that thank god during the pandemic with masks like i was just like sweating and just breathing so oh hard i was just like oh, okay i'm glad they can't see me freaking out right now but is so involved and just, but it's like something about that. It just like keeps me coming back. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's so You're like a
0: surgeon, like you the high stakes of it.
1: Yeah, please. no, you're, you're essentially performing surgery on people. You're creating like these open wounds into the people's yeah. bodies and you're making sure ink is placed within this very specific layer of skin. Mm-hmm. And if you go too low or too high, then yeah, it's just not going to work.
0: That's kinda wild. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna ask, like, I notice a lot of people bleed after like while they're having their tattoo. Is that just so the ink like forms a layer or why does that happen?
1: Oh, the bleeding in particular? hmm It just depends. Like some people hardly bleed at all. It could be like maybe they had alcohol and it made their blood thinner.
0: Oh, okay. So So it's not like a requirement for the process. Oh no, no, no. Okay. It's
1: just it just really just like depends on the person okay. or maybe, like, what they consume, like, that
0: day or the day before. Okay, interesting. So what's, like, a good diet so you don't, like, bleed all over the table?
1: Uh, Well, it's typically, like, best to just make sure you're hydrated, drink a bunch of water before your, like, blood sugar can drop. So, like, have a cookie or
0: something. (laughs) Yeah,
1: our shop has, like, this little cookie, like, tea corner where you can, like, get, like, little snacks to feel, like, boosted up again, some, like, lollipops and stuff, you Mm -hmm. know. So there's like certain things where it's like, yeah, you get like a little bit like lightheaded or, but some people are just fine, you know? So it just depends.
0: And then thinking about like your visual art, like art worldy art, how did you get into that and did they come around the same time or how did that evolution happen?
1: Yeah. Well, I guess like the timeline, I had moved to California and then I was just like, oblivious to the surroundings and i just enjoy just wandering and just figuring things out and i just would like i got immersed in like this tattoo scene and the further i kept going you were
0: here in the bay area
1: yeah it's just like such a rich culture it it wasn't like oh that's a nice tattoo it's like oh you got it from thorns tattoo and it's like yeah i got it from this artist and it's like oh i got this from that artist there's just like this like rich community within tattooing Mm. and it was just like such an awesome conversation about art but none of these people were necessarily in this gallery scene Mm -hmm. you know so it was a form of art but it was still separated from the fine art
0: and Yeah, I know. I, it's like annoying to have to distinguish between the two.
1: Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But I just was like really inspired just by like American traditional tattoos and just the graphic element of how simple and bold they are. It's just like communicating a message with like the fewest amount of lines because you have to make it so small and it has to heal a certain way. So. Like, the way that you're tattooing a design now, you're kind of, like, designing it the way that it's going to be, like, 10, 20 years from now, essentially, you know? So it's, it's it's just interesting how, and there's, like, this saying, bold will hold. And just, so it's just, like, something about that energy just translated really well into, like, what I enjoy creating artistically. So I just naturally gravitated towards referencing, tattoo art and eventually it got to this point where like people were asking me if i tattoo and And, i was like yeah
0: well and like when you said early american tattoos a lot of those are like sailor based yeah american traditional Mm -hmm. yeah so that's an interesting relationship to the other aspects of your work now, but I don't want to like get ahead of your story. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Yes. I yeah, just wanted to clarify that, that like, it, that's what you're looking at when you talk about your work.
1: Oh, yeah, very specific to like, American traditional tattoos, and because like, I started just referencing them because they look great, but then, like everything else, I started to do my little like rabbit hole of research.
0: I wanted to give a brief history about American traditional tattoos since we do talk about it a little bit. And in, in case you aren't familiar, you know, as Chris says, they are the the kind of really iconic imagery that are famous by tattoo artists like Sailor Jerry, who is really one of the only tattoo artists I know by name other than Kat Von D. Further research into the history of the American traditional tattoos reveals that actually a lot of that imagery came from the Pacific Islands, China, and with Jer- um, with Sailor Jerry, it really came from Japan, where he spent a lot of time while in the Navy, and actually studied with Japanese um, tattoo artists, which is kind of how he built his craft.
1: I'm just like... Let me not take this for granted, you know. Like, you just
0: like jump into it visually, and then yeah,
1: yeah. It could be like like you see Popeye with like a like a anchor on his like forearm. You're like, oh, of course he has an anchor, like he's a sailor. But it's like, wait, like what does this what does this symbol mean within this within this like culture? And it's like sailors collected certain tattoos as mementos for what they did in at sea. So you could literally tell somebody's full story of what they did at the in the ocean by the tattoos they collected.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So, do like, you have any examples of things that you learned?
1: Oh, like learned from like my research.
0: Yeah, like what a anchor meant, or you know, oh know yeah, that's yeah. not a good example. So but.
1: yeah, an, an anchor specifically meant you crossed the Atlantic Ocean. Oh wow, there were certain like superstitious things of getting a pig and like a chicken on your foot. Because oh. as ships got attacked, the main things that survived were the the floating crates and they contain like pigs and they contain like other livestock. Oh. And so it was, oh, like if things happen, like I have these things to help me float and to, to give me like life again. So it was just like. The sailor
0: it, life sounds so brutal. I mean, like yeah. much of life before now, you know, sounds brutal, but.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like, the ocean is like a very powerful like energy and I just enjoy giving it respect and honoring my ancestors who made this trip unwillingly across this body of water and then but taking reference from people who voluntarily made that passage in two completely opposite directions and The way that they cross like right in the center is where I'm at so like I take both inspiration from ancestors from sailor folklore and I merge it into this african-american traditional like melting pot I love
0: that yeah like is there a tradition of like african-american like tattoo art is that does that exist also
1: african-american traditional there are artists out there j black magic who's been like doing that for years
0: but like more uh, you know like in the same time period as like the sailor art you know what i mean oh, or it it just wasn't because there wasn't the luxury to make that kind of thing maybe
1: yeah i don't think there was anybody like really tapping into that from the african element
0: so you're kind of creating that language now it sounds like
1: yeah this is like more of a like a modern thing within probably the past 30 years or so plus. Okay. Yeah, the images are there. And within the conversation of American traditional, like you're basically taking a design and you're reimagining it in your style. All this stuff is fair game, you Mm -hmm. know, like people see my work and they're like, what is this? It's original, but it's also not at the same time. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just adding my personal stamp to what a crawling panther is certain like icons that like just reappear within the style of tattooing in mm-hmm. American traditional yeah and just oh like i see it like this you could see like a pinup character and it's just like oh well i see this character with more bounce in their hair maybe a fuller nose i just want it to reflect the people that i see in my life you know mm-hmm. like from my family you know so we're all just trying to give representation
0: yeah, you know? that's the word that came up in my mind, too. Yeah.
1: Being an outsider can help you reimagine things as well. It's like mm. I I take these things and then I just reimagine and I just shift them. And yeah, it's it's nothing new, but it's new when I give it that life and energy from my culture.
0: Yeah. And then how did they make the transition to the flags, flags? I got a Minnesotan accent, so flags <laughs> but or banners that you're making, like oh. how did you kind of get to that because that's like a very different process of mm. You know, like doing surgery and then sewing. Oh yeah, <laughs> but although they no. do both involve needles, So yeah,
1: no, there's very there's a lot of parallels with the two. Is like literally both needles making an up and down motion. And I
0: know that's actually weird. I hadn't put that together until just now.
1: Yeah. yeah, and the way that I'm sewing is like the the way that I control my hand speed can control like how solid the line is. Yeah, of thread. And the same with, like, pulling a tattoo line. It's like, if I slow my hand down, then, of course, it's going to be packed in a little Mm. bit stronger.
0: Oh, that's interesting, yeah. So,
1: there's, like, certain parallels, but, yeah, I mean, I started off doing the the fabric work first. You did? Okay. Yeah. Because
0: with your mom or, or something, or?
1: Well, she gave me a basic tip on how to thread the machine, and she would always make me and my sister clothes growing up. So, I was never like intimidated by the sewing machine, it, and it was like when I moved out here. I just I had this opportunity with the collective that I was in at the time to make something original and new. Because like at the time, I was doing mostly photography in North Carolina, still drawing, but not so much.
0: Were you doing like street photography? Is yeah, that right? street
1: photography. Yeah little bit of graphic design. And so, yeah, people like when I moved out here, they're like, oh, you're doing fabric now? I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of just doing what feels right, honestly. And the inspiration came from having these images that I had in my sketchbook. And I was like, oh, this is kind of like relates to the South. And I'm like, oh, how can I build off of this narrative? And I'm like, oh, what if I utilize this cotton material? that kind of reflects the images that I'm making and so the images gave truth to the material that needed to be used because I could just you know print these to paper like that's always an option but it was just like what what else makes it feel better like well what what's another layer to this conversation that we can add to it and then I don't know fabric just felt right so I just went with that and I just enjoyed using black and white because it just, it was just easy. It was fast. I didn't have to think about it as much. And life is already stressful
0: enough. It's true.
1: I don't want to like add five different colors <laughs> into something. and just like- <laughs> Let that be
0: a lesson to everyone. I mean, honestly, as you were just talking, I'm like, this is an example of when you don't overthink it, you know, it's like, you've already got something really great. You have all these drawings. Don't try to do more than that. Like, cause it's, already working you know yeah I don't know not that you don't experiment and whatever but
1: no but yeah like you can express like endless possibilities with just black and white it's just like yeah I can imagine adding color into that just like another thing just oh god
0: (laughs) well and that makes sense for what you're talking about even with your outfit you know just that Mm -hmm. like you see so much detail within that that Mm -hmm. I could see adding a color palette being like a lot yeah. Which maybe you will at some point, but like right now it feels like yeah, there's so much richness in that. The colors are pretty symbolic for you too, right? Do you want to talk briefly about the dichotomy of the black and white and how the different layers of meaning that it has for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I could go on for a while, but I'll try to <laughs> we have three minutes. So I'll, I'm try... Just kidding. <laughs> I'll try to simplify it, but Yeah, there's just like there's just so much that's like that brews in me from just, like, black and white. It just, we can start off with, like, balance, like, the yin and yang. I just really enjoy finding this perfect, like, harmonious balance within things. And, like, within my graphic background, it's just, that's, like, the holy grail. Like, if if it's, you can register it in black and white and it just feels right, Then you can build off of that and add the color, you know, but that's like the foundation. That's like the jump off and just trying to find other ways to elaborate off of black and white and this and that, us and them. It's just like all of these things around us have contrasts. It's like a flag. It, It unites us, but it also divides us from something else, you know? That's the black and the white, you know, it's just the... And then I'm using a lot of, like, text and conversations within the art as well, and trying to find this strange balance of, like, confidence and confused and almost like this Confucius thing where it's like you have to come up with the conclusion yourself of what the answer is, and maybe... The conclusion, it was back at the beginning, and the writing style of how I approach the text and the conversations is kind of like this poet who's confident and also still confused and still figuring it out, but they're bold with their communication as well. They're not subtle with how they feel about it. They mislead on purpose. They they talk to a certain type of person who right. is on the on in the know.
0: Well, I was going to say I feel like sometimes the text oh, is like a yeah. red herring. It, it isn't necessarily the meaning. It is misleading you like you said.
1: Exactly. And it's just like the process specifically with text is just like it's very fun because I let the universe just guide me into these frequencies and these moments where it's just, it's like when you hear a song on the radio and the world just stops for a second and you just have to know what the song is. You shazam it. And then you go down the rabbit hole like, oh, like what a music does this artist have to offer? And it's just, uh, yeah, it could be like a day-to-day conversation and like somebody will say something that just resonates. I'm like, wow. And it's just like, Nobody felt it but me and like things just got slow and then I just have like my little like notes folder and I just throw like all of my little like conversations that I hear documentaries and it'll be how like a music producer samples it's just like oh that drum break was awesome I just need that 3 seconds right there and I'm just going to loop it and it spills out into everything like like you sample images like oh i like how the hand is holding this flower but ooh, i'm gonna flip it and i'm gonna just like have like the hand hold this cotton bud we're all just referencing and sampling and making something new out of it and i kind of like went off of the the black and white category but oh
0: no it's okay though
1: it's just the, the inspiration i feel is it's more of a relaxing process to let the universe inform me on what is going on and then i make art after rather than i mean you can try to like analyze it and be like okay i'm gonna make flagpoles they're they're about this and mm-hmm. they divide us and it's just like i don't know it was like literally flag day when i came here oh
0: really to, to, oh interesting to
1: pitch my idea and i was just like certain things like that that just line up i'm just like just Paying attention to the clues. Mm-hmm. There's so many. And it's just like that's reflective in the, the flash sheets as well. They look like this chaotic mesh of images that have no, no theme at all to them.
0: So if you're like me and wondering what exactly a flash sheet is, I just wanted to give you a brief explanation. So they're basically the sheets of designs that usually have like five to 20 different designs on them that a tattoo artists will use to present to walking customers at a tattoo shop or in the olden days, you know, to the sailors coming in off the boats who only had like, you know, a couple hours to get a tattoo. And so basically they would choose designs that would be simple enough to do like three or four in an hour. And they would know, oh, this is not going to be so complicated. And I think, you know, Chris says in our conversation that that's one of the reasons that these designs were so simple so that the tattoo artist could kind of knock them out one after another.
1: But I'm like, no, this is this is about this. And oh, this is a little African symbol that I added in there. So like if you're in the know of this frequency and of these images, then they'll communicate to you. But I also throw in random things that make no sense at all. Because that's just a reflection of real life. And we have to navigate and decide nope, that's not like, wow, this Mm -hmm. resonates. And so, like, trying to find that and capture it into these, like, tattoo flash sheets has been, that's that's been, like, really fun. The
0: print projects that you're doing here, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm cool. working on a series of different flash sheets.
0: Do you have anything coming up?
1: Honestly, I'm I'm mostly, like, investing my time into different residency, certain, like, collaborations that will be happening in the future. But uh, honestly, just, just kind of just going with the flow right now. Is-
0: I mean, I did want to ask, like, had you shown a lot before the ICA show?
1: Kind of, yeah. You had? Okay, because...
0: Mm-hmm. Were you in the Bay Area mostly, or uh-huh. okay? Yeah, I maybe it was because I was like gone at that point. I was traveling a lot and wasn't really here. But I felt like, whoa, Christopher Martin—he just got a solo show at a museum. Like that's amazing. Like, yeah, you know, was, I mean, yeah. I think it still is, regardless. But thank you. Like, was that a little bit out of nowhere?
1: Uh, a little bit. Yeah. It will. It just like goes to show that you can't really it's hard to navigate this art world it's just yeah what you say yes to can sometimes like be a good thing and sometimes be whatever or something else but yeah it, that opportunity in particular came from me taking on this free gig where it was just like it was like called speed dating the artist or something and okay it was like a zoom thing over the pandemic and it was, like, this group of artists, and we're sitting in, and, like, we get our turn, and, like, we get, like, a little Q&A, and collectors on the, are on the other end. Oh, amazing. Listening to us. So, it was what? interesting. That's and cool. Yeah. So Was that
0: also Bay Area, or was that just more general?
1: Uh, that was also Bay Area, yeah. Cool. And so, yeah, I did that. I was like, oh, this is different, but I'll, I'll try it. Yeah, I did it. it. It wasn't, like, anything that was, like, a paid thing, you know, so. I was like, well, if I'm talking to collectors, maybe this is like yeah. an investment in energy. And then There uh, were worse Zooms during yeah. the
0: pandemic than the <laughs> one, it <laughs> sounds like.
1: And then, uh, but yeah, just like from that, like the same people who organized it reached out later and they were like, they heard about my work through that conversation more in depth. And then they were like, well, we have this facility, like you can use it to do something if you want. And I was just like, yeah meaning the museum yeah the museum yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) they're like just cool they were just like just have fun with it i was just like okay uh so i want to put like 19 banners from the ceiling is that cool and they're like yeah like have fun with it keep going i was like okay so i'm going to put 100 arrows into your walls and they're like great yeah this is amazing i'm just like Oh, they aren't telling me no. So <laughs>
0: you're like, "Did I start too small? What else do I want?" Air- yeah, but helicopter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you could fit a helicopter in there for sure. It seems like it, yeah. But um, but yeah, I just wanted to like really just give a display of what I'm already doing but just on steroids and just like just go all out and that show was like Like, just a reflection of who I am as a textile artist, as a a text artist, designer, installation artist, all those things just together. And, I mean, the space is so big that it's just like...
0: Yeah. It was a lot of space to fill.
1: Yeah. So, it was fun. It was a fun challenge. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. I was back in SF because when... That was last June?
1: That was like January, like 2022 or, yeah, mm-hmm. not too long ago.
0: I did want to ask you about the collective that you were in when you were first here and just, because uh, yeah. I thought that was so interesting and um, it's called the Blackmail mm-hmm. <laughs> Collective and you spelled it M-A-I-L, is that right? Yeah. Can you t- talk a little bit about like at what point you were at with your career and like how it got started and...
1: Okay. Yeah. So, like, with the Blackmail Collective, that was honestly the start of my, like, art career timeline because I first moved out here. I was just doing, like, sketchbook things, hanging out. And one of my classmates from North Carolina, I found out he was out here, too. And so, like, we linked up. He was hosting sketch nights at his house. Oh, cool. And he noticed that there was a group of people around him that were talented but weren't, like, displaying in galleries. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to change that. And so he pitched his idea to Daryl, the owner of the luggage store gallery. Oh, yeah. He's like, there's this there's this group show that I want to do. Five black male artists. It's called Blackmail M-A-I-L. And there was this whole write-up and ethos of what it's about us blackmailing the city in a time where there's not as many of us and so that was kind of like the jump off and yeah it's just like i was just like in this creation phase where i was like oh i'm doing photography in north carolina but i'm in a new place and this doesn't feel the same to me for whatever reason
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's that was like the initial push to try something new which led into the fabric work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then yeah, we had like the opening and it was uh, And it, it was,
0: wasn't male art, was it?
1: Oh no. no it was just
0: it was more blackmail in the sense of like we're holding you hostage for yeah. money or whatever. Yeah, and Kinda. it
1: being like a fun play on word as y- well. Yeah, totally. Okay, yeah. cool. And then uh so yeah, and then like from there we had like a second and third show and Uh, it just kept continuing and then we brought on um, other people who didn't identify as being male and so like we uh, rebranded we changed the name to Noir to be more inclusive and uh, but yeah we're just all just friends that are artists and we all just come together to make a group show and just celebrate our blackness and in a time and a space where there's not as many of us so yeah it's just like like i remember like i gave you a reference of like the wu-tang uh-huh yeah it's just like it's like they're all doing amazing like all the members of the wu-tang are killing it you know but when they came together it was just like this unstoppable force but they came together to have their voices amplify and then I guess once that goal was met, they could like branch off and do their own solo albums and stuff. so it's kind of like the same like we we banded together because we knew that there was strength in numbers, and the goal was essentially accomplished. We we're all like successfully doing our art practice and solo shows and other group shows and residencies, so
0: no, I think there's like a misunderstanding of what it takes to succeed in the art world and like coming out I think we talked about this but I thought it was such a good conversation that we I want to like bring it up where you know right out of grad school I was like chatting a lot with my friend while we were at our day jobs and we were both kind of reading this book that came out at the time Lean In which is a little bit controversial because it was written by a rich white lady Cheryl Strandberg who like is the c-level executive for facebook and she was telling women that you know they did all this research where you know a lot of women like back out of the workforce more corporate america but just don't hold higher level positions because of being a mother and just there aren't as many women and so you just don't see a place for yourself there you know mm. and so her whole thing was like well lean in you know figure out a way to like make space for yourself sit at the table you know like ask for child care do the things that you want to do you know that kind of thing and again it was really problematic because she has like private jet and nannies wow. and everything so that was the critique But the thing that I took away from it was a story where there were these like three women who worked at a bank and they were all kind of like associate level. And instead of being really competitive, which is like kind of more classic old school feminist behavior in corporate America, they decided to group together and like support each other at meetings or like Uh, if someone had a new project coming up, they would like talk them up to other people. And just create this group effort to get all of them to succeed. And they ended up all doing a lot better than their peers who didn't have this like kind of group. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. the person that I was talking to went on to start, you know, co-found like Binder of Women, which is this group in L.A. that is a collective of women and they do shows together. And it's a lot about like what you're talking about. And they've gotten a lot of success just by the nature of it being a group and um, and I personally like, you know, I'm in an accountability group where every month oh. we meet and give each other support for our projects and Oh nice. Yeah, you know, so I feel like it's not the way that we're taught. I mean, I think, you know, CCA did teach collective behavior and social practice, but mm. I think you don't think that that type of collaborative Sharing is gonna get you very far, or something you know, like yeah, it's not maybe the intuitive thing, but you actually get a lot farther by like lifting each other up and yeah. and, and not trying to like latch on to something established, creating your own energy in your own platform is actually like more powerful than trying to line yourself with like, higher ups
1: and yeah you you mentioning like just an accountability group like. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to be something with a goal in mind or like that's
0: true, too. Yeah, to,
1: to present something like, yeah, it could just be like, oh, we're gonna meet and have breakfast and just chat about the things that we said that we do.
0: Yeah, and
1: see where we're at with those projects.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then like maybe someone knows something that could help, you know, or I think that like. Kind of spontaneous like skill sharing exactly. is really helpful too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reason I got into this residency is from Chris Birch.
0: Oh, like, I don't know who that is. He was, he did
1: the mural uh, outside. He did oh, like, oh, it's so cool. So I was talking to him and he was like, oh, I'll put in a word for you. And uh, is it Goya was, Goon? Is that yeah, his Instagram? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really cool. And uh, oh, yeah. I was also able to to chat with Ben Venom like at one of the Hashimoto Gallery openings. Oh, Yeah. That uh, feels
0: like a really good alignment for people who don't know Ben Venom. He makes like oh, metal quilts. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, kind yeah. of the fact that you guys have a similar practice is very Yeah. Like he's, aligned.
1: He's uh like when I was starting off doing the fabric work, it's not like a big group of masculine people making fabric tapestries. Right.
0: You know? Was yeah. anyone else in blackmail doing that kind of work or
1: no, I think Everybody was basically just in the painting realm. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of like the the wild card, I guess. Okay. And, but yeah, I, I had, like, ventured through Instagram and I saw Ben Venom's work. and Cool. Just so inspired by, like, the approach, like, the grunge, the contrast between, like, rock and roll and something that was so soft and, like... Typically labeled as like feminine energy, you know, Mm -hmm. but and finding somebody else like that was doing this thing, you know, with the sewing machine, but in a more like a different energy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, like, yeah, I was already like on that frequency of like being like, okay, this is tight. Somebody else is like validating. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not the only one. I think that's like a lot of what this is, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, we. We want to just have community. We just want to yeah. feel not alone, you know? And, um, Absolutely. I feel like in the Bay in particular, like, yeah. if you're doing the thing enough, like, the communities are small enough to where you'll eventually find your, your family.
0: Yeah. hmm Yeah. And if you don't, you, like, create one like you did, you know, which mm. I think is cool.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Mm.
0: Oh, that's such a wholesome way to end. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been super fun. Yeah, thank you. This has been great. That's all for this week's episode. Thanks for side-wooing with us. We release episodes every other week on Thursday. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, follow, subscribe, and review our podcast for good karma points. Until we meet again in the side room.